Welcome to the Soft Life with Sadie Baddies. Sadie Baddies is the antidote to mental health stigma, and this podcast is hosted by yours truly, Priscilla O. Adjman. We are a virtual sanctuary centering Black and multiracial people, and we prioritize the mental and emotional nourishment that is the foundation of collective healing in our communities. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to the Soft Life Baddies. I'm so happy to be back here with you. I've missed all of you so much. And I'm so excited to be back here. Happy New Year. Happy 2023. This is the first episode of 2023. And the last uh, the last couple weeks of 2022, I'm not even going to lie, <laughs> it was a whirlwind. I, I honestly, this is my first time sitting down and doing a proper Sunday reset in a long time. And I'm just grateful to be able to rejuvenate my energy, and be present here. I hope that 2022 was as gentle on you as possible. I know it was really challenging for a lot of us for so many different reasons. And I think there's such an interesting pattern that happens towards the end of the year. And, you know, people are sharing their recaps. They're sharing their photo dumps. They're sharing their accomplishments. And that's beautiful. I honestly celebrate that. I think that's really important. And I I think it's healthy to share our accomplishments and share our joys and our our highlights. But at the same time, Instagram and social media in particular can sometimes come across as just a highlight reel of success and wins. And that's why this episode is going to be very, very different. In the sense that this is probably the opposite of that. (laughs) Instead of having a highlight reel and a rundown of all the amazing things that I accomplished or my team or my brand has accomplished within the last year, this is actually going to be about embracing your flop era. And I really thought about why I wanted to share this. And it really boils down to the fact that I think it's important to be honest and transparent about the times in your life when for lack of a better word you just it was not your time to shine (laughs) I think it's it's totally it's totally normal and healthy to have those highs and lows that's what life is all about life is not just a one-dimensional experience that's what makes us so dynamic as humans however i think with the digital age and the social media age that we're in it's very easy to compare ourselves to other people you can compare your flop era to someone's soft life era or you can be really hard on yourself about why you aren't where you are so i really want to dedicate this episode to you if you are someone who is currently in your flop era or has recently gone through your flop era I just want you to know that this episode is for you. And I'm also dedicating this to my younger self as well, who had such a different relationship with failure than I do today. So for those who don't even know what I'm talking about, you're like, girl, what what is a flop era? What are you even saying? <laughs> you're speaking in TikTok. And I am. A flop era is essentially a period of your life that is marked by failure, lack of success, or the inability to function or thrive. And that is a quote directly from (laughs) Wiktionary.com. So if you're curious about what a flop era it is, there you go. 
your flop era is just the time in your life where things are not going as planned. And I want to share three key moments in my life recently and also a couple from the past that I have realized were, wow, that was kind of my flop era. And the first key moment that I want to share is last year. So let's rewind back in time and think about June of 2022. And just to paint a picture for you, last year I was working at a startup and actually a biotech startup. Uh, For those who don't know, or maybe if you're new to the podcast, my background is in public health and clinical research, as well as clinical marketing, digital marketing. So I was working at a startup as um, essentially a marketing associate slash research associate. And my relationship with this role in particular, not necessarily the company or anything, but I'm talking about specifically my role in this startup was very, it was kind of fluid sometimes. And I think I learned a lot about what my career is going to look like and what I wanted it to look like while being at this role. I think this role was really, really important for me to have. It really challenged me in so many ways. And even though there was a lot of highs and lows during this this role in particular, I also want to appreciate the fact that I met some amazing people through that role and at that company. And even though it wasn't the best fit or environment in terms of culture for me, I still learned a lot. So I will always be grateful for that role and my time being there. So if you know how startups are, (laughs) you know that there's a very, especially tech startups, you know that there's a very high turnover rate. Um, And a lot of times startups will have a lot of what's called runway, which is essentially the amount of money that they have to keep the business running. They'll have a lot of runway in the beginning of the business and then maybe towards like the middle or, you know, a few years down the road, they might be overstaffing, they might be overspending in some areas or it might be a combination of different things. Given the fact that we're also in a recession, um, the startup that I was at suffered from the same issues that a lot of tech companies were struggling with at the time and still are very much so. So just like Netflix, Twitter, um, literally Meta, all of the companies, all those big tech companies that you can think of, digital health companies like the one I was working with, also were going through major, major layoffs. So as you can imagine, I didn't know what was going to happen. I was only working at this company for, actually, I was working there for over a year. I was there for just under a year and a half. I think it was about a year and four months to be exact, but I got laid off. (laughs) I got laid off literally last year, June, and it, I didn't see it coming whatsoever. And a big reason I didn't see it coming was the fact that I was under the impression that everything was going to be fine, that I had nothing to worry about. And unfortunately, I woke up to an email 
that was sent at 6 a.m. from, you know, our leadership at the time. And I was one of the people that were laid off along with 26% of the company. And when I read that email, my (laughs) initial reaction was shock and then disbelief. You literally go through the, the stages of confusion and honestly it's like a stage of it's a form of grief getting laid off and and losing your job um, especially when it's so abrupt and unexpected I literally didn't really know what to do it's like what is my plan what is the game plan Um, I had an exit interview that same day literally two hours after I had already gotten that email and it was rough I'm not gonna lie it was rough it was shocking I was confused I was upset I was disappointed um but I will say I also had a sense of peace because I knew that this being my very first time being laid off from a job this meant that this would open up a new chapter in my life for freedom and that's something that I've never had ever in my entire life last summer 2022 was I think one of the best summers I've ever had in my life. And it wasn't because I was laid off per se and, oh, I'm unemployed or fun employed as it's been rebranded. It really was because I accepted what happened to me and I didn't look at it as a personal attack on my character. I didn't look at it as a personal attack on who I am or what I'm capable of or anything like that because at the end of the day, I know that my support system, my community, my loved ones, my ancestors are holding me down. And there's no way that I've been brought this far in life to just give up. So that is something that I really held on to. And I, I, I think I'm just somebody that truly tries my best to be optimistic. And it's not, it's not a sense of delusion or toxic positivity I, I choose to be optimistic because I've noticed that the times that I have chosen the path of optimism my outcome in life is always significantly better when I choose that path versus when I just decide to dwell and fixate and blame myself and beat myself up for something and, and just really stay in this very um, low point. And it takes a lot of mental energy to do that. I think a lot of that comes from resilience. Um, not going to get too deep into it, but obviously I've had a lot of traumatic moments in my life, just like I think anybody else has, but those traumatic moments break, they, they build up resilience. They literally create strength in your character. They create strength in your body. They create strength in who you are as a person. And it, it gives you a cushion. And I think that's why I was able to take that L so gracefully. Um, I think that's why I was able to grow from that really abrupt rejection and something as serious as being laid off where your resources and your main source of income is going to be cut off you know thankfully I had a great severance package um you know I had I was I essentially I think I was in a better position than I thought I was going to be 
um, financially. And of course, you know, this being my main source of income, even though it made me very anxious, it also forced me to look at my own habits. And, you know, it forced me to look at why I was afraid of losing this role. Um, and, and I think the fact that I had no say in it either is what was so painful. However, I think <laughs> the testament of how much I really just accepted this as what it is, and I really had like, well, this is an L I got to take. It is what it is. I wrote my little LinkedIn post, you know, as I'm sure you've seen at least one of them at this point of folks who have been laid off and, you know, everybody shares their post and shares why, what happened, you know, and people reach out. And honestly, that I, I do recommend if you are someone who has been laid off, don't feel embarrassed because that's not your fault that you got laid off. It's literally not your fault. And instead of feeling, you know, putting your head down and, and feeling shame or embarrassment about it, Use it as an opportunity to network and, and connect with people in your professional orbit, which is what I did. But I really looked at that opportunity as a chance for me to take a beat. Um, as I was saying, last summer was one of the best summers I've ever had. I literally went to Mexico to Tulum a month after. Um, I got laid off and that was because I'd already planned that trip and I wasn't going to allow myself to just wallow in this disappointment, especially because it was already, you know, paid for. But <laughs> beyond that, I, I didn't want to punish myself, especially for a situation that was out of my control. And that same night that I got laid off and I found the news, I was already planning to go to a concert with my friends and my my man and we all still went and we had a great time and you know what the next day even though I had a great time at that concert the next day I allowed myself to cry I literally let myself cry I let myself journal I let myself mourn and I think that duality of having fun and being you know accepting it is what it is but still allowing yourself to feel those feelings is so important so learning from that, I I now don't have the fear of losing my job because I know that if that were to happen to me again, I know that I would be okay. You know, it's it's like kind of it's like when you have a baby and they fall for the first time and that baby's crying and everyone's like, "Oh my goodness." Like, you know, everyone's kind of fussing over the baby and then by the time the baby's like three years old, they have cuts and scars from falling and playing and they get back up and it's not as painful. It's not as shocking anymore. So I think, again, that experience was so new for me. And of course, it's always been a fear of mine just knowing, okay, I'm going to work at a startup. There's a chance I could get laid off because Again, that is just the character and the tendency and the pattern of a lot of startups. But now I know that I'm going to be fine. I am going to be fine. And I actually, you know, thankfully, I'm really grateful that literally two months after that layoff, I secured my current role, which I love. And that was through community. That was literally through one of my loved ones um, sharing a referral 
with her job, which I currently work at now. And I wouldn't have that opportunity if I hadn't asked her for help. If I hadn't said, hey, hey, girl, this is what happened. And she stepped in and sent me a referral. The interview process was pretty seamless. And I got the job offer while I was in Tulum, (laughs) Um, literally while I was in Mexico. And I just think that that story is so it's just something that I'm, I'm honestly proud of because it really shows me that not only am I resilient in that sense of being able to take my L's gracefully, not not hiding myself or being embarrassed for anything or any reason, but also using my my resources, which are my loved ones, my community, my network, and knowing that I'm going to be okay at the end of it. So that was the most recent L that I've taken. Actually, not the most recent, but (laughs) one of the most prominent L's that I've taken within the last year. And I wanted to share that with you. And I know that a lot of folks are dealing with loss from their role or their jobs. And I just, again, want to remind you that you are not your job. Your job does not define you. And if you are in the situation where this happens, utilizing the tools around you and being patient with the process is really going to help you to have that extra cushion in case you need to fall back. And that's exactly what happened with me. Um, Okay, so the second situation that I had where I was rejected (laughs) is a couple years ago. um, Yeah, this was actually 2021. I was at a role and um, also job related but this was this was a little bit different. This was not necessarily, you know, me getting uh I mean, rejection and failure are very similar, but this was this was more of a, a straight up rejection versus you know, a loss. So, I would say my my first experience was a loss. This experience was a rejection focus. Um so this this whole scenario really unfolded because I was interviewing for a company. Um, I was still employed at the time, but I was browsing, (laughs) Um, as you should sometimes. Um, I was browsing and I was looking to switch out of the role that I was in currently. And I got a job interview for a wellness company. um, And that experience, the interview experience was the most draining and the most intense interview experience I've ever had. Um, I had spent so much time preparing for these interviews. I had a total of five interviews and this lasted over the span of eight weeks. So just imagine how much time I put in and energy I put into every single interview that I had. And the reason why it took so long is because, as you know, the job market and, and really the, the way that companies are hiring now, they're, they're really trying to vet their candidates, which I understand. However, I mean, I have, I have thoughts and feelings about that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll reserve that for another episode. Long story short, this interview process took forever. I had met from every, I met everyone from, you know, the 
creative director to the senior vice president of marketing. And the role I was going for was actually a social social media manager role for this company. And it really, it took so much time and preparation. I had a take-home assignment to do, like, I did a presentation. It was like, I was in school with Phil. Um, I actually had to take my last interview while I was in on vacation at that time. I was in Jamaica, and I literally had to set up um, time during my vacation to take this last interview because uh, they were having scheduling conflicts. And so I, you know, I was very confident about this whole process. I was like, I got this in the bag. I'm good. I'm going to get this job. Like I'm, I was already like kind of like ready to start writing up my resignation later from the role that I was currently in at the time. So I'm very, very optimistic, enthusiastic about this role. And I'm like, I'm going to get this. Like I've had so many interviews. Everyone that I've met has really spoken highly of me. I can tell that they really like me, blah, blah, blah. I'm so perfect for this role. Like really just, I felt really confident. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think you should definitely, I mean, if if you're going to feel confident at any other time in your life, it should be when you're interviewing for a job, I would assume. But I did not get the job. They called me. And they told me, um, yeah, actually, we've decided to go with another candidate um, because we don't think you have enough experience for this role. So I, again, when I first heard that that response from um, the, the hiring manager, I obviously, you know, I accepted it. I, I thanked them. I said, thank you for your time and everything. However... One thing that did, I would say, get under my skin at the time was the statement that I didn't have enough experience for the role. That is what I was like, "Eh," I would disagree there because truth is, if I've had five interviews with everyone from your mid to senior level employees and I've been killing it with the assignments. I, I I think I had to learn to distinguish the validation that I got from interviewing with the folks that I interviewed with and then the validation from myself as being competent and capable enough for this role. Obviously, companies are very particular, especially this company. <laughs> they were very particular about what they were looking for and, you know, what the job was going to be like. And so every every company has their kind of criteria of what they're looking for but I think generalizing someone's experience and saying they're inexperienced for a role when you know in fact that you are experienced it's just maybe they wanted to go with a different person based on culture fit or you know whatever their criteria is I think learning to to accept that for myself was major because If I hadn't given myself the room to be upset and be a little bit like, wait, no, I, I, you know, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your response. However, like I know that I'm qualified for this role. So understanding and having a, an unshakable sense of who you are is always going to cushion you from rejection. And I say that because it's not about being delusional. It's not about being stubborn. It's not about denying what you're capable of. It's knowing who you are. It's knowing about 
your self-worth without that external validation. And in life, you're going to come across people who are not going to see who you are. You're going to come across friends, lovers, business partners, whoever, who are not going to see your worth. You have to be the one to decide, I am worthy. I know what I'm capable of. I know that I'm talented. I'm just, this is not the right fit for me. And that's it. And so me being able to have that conversation with myself, that is, again, what allowed me to take that L and just realize, you know what? It is what it is. And in response to that rejection, I didn't even really sulk about it. Actually, me and my partner, we did a toast to that. We literally bought a bottle of champagne and we were like, you know what? Cheers to redirection. Cheers to knowing that I'm one step closer to the job that is going to be the right fit for me. And I think having that attitude is the attitude of a winner. It's an attitude of somebody who knows what they're worth. It's an attitude of someone who trusts their path in life enough to know that something better is on its way. And I can't think of a time when rejection was not redirection towards something better for me. Literally every single moment in my life, whether it was rejection from somebody I was dating or rejection from a job or rejection from school or or anyone, anything, any scenario, every single time that I have been rejected, it's always redirected me into a better situation, a better environment. And I have enough life experience to prove this now, being that I am 30 years old. But (laughs) not only that, I think I really take a, a snapshot and document in my life these moments that I know my self worth. And I know that if I'm applying the pressure that's required to get me to what I want to do and where I'm going, I know that doors will open up because not only am I intentional about it and I believe, I also understand that if something is not for you, that's okay. The same way that there's different shoe sizes for every single person and, you know, not not everything's going to be for you and that's fine. That's why redirecting and allowing the space for you to pivot and giving yourself room to pivot into the correct direction for you is really the only way that you're going to be able to handle rejection and handle failure gracefully. So that experience of getting rejected from that job offer that I spent way too much time on, honestly, and to be honest, Unless you're applying to be a doctor or a surgeon or, you know, something that's real that's going to take a lot of time or energy or is like really up there in terms of like your career level. I don't understand why it would take eight weeks to hire or, or interview a social media manager, but I digress. Um, my next experience <laughs> with failure in particular was years ago. Um, This actually was during my college career, and I was a biology major in college. I was a science major, very focused and, and super hard on myself about performing well on exams and all of those things. Initially, I was a pre med track as well, and then 
I actually just ended up just taking those like heavy science courses um, and then also some liberal arts courses in case I wanted to pivot and do kind of what I'm doing today, which is a combination of digital health and writing and copywriting and marketing. So it worked out, but let's backtrack a little bit. (laughs) So when I was in college, I had to take a lot of very, very difficult courses. And if you're a science major, if you're someone that, or even like in a, if you have a tech background or anything in the STEM field, you know how difficult these courses are. And they're made to be like that because they're, they're designed to also weed out students who aren't performing at a certain um, level or standard. And I mean, again, that's a whole conversation for another day because I have thoughts and feelings about that. I had to take organic chemistry. And <laughs> if you know what I'm talking about and you understand that organic chemistry is universally known as the most difficult class you could ever take is if you're a science major anything it is the hardest class ever literally it weeds out people who are in the pre-med track so you know maybe you're early your first couple of years in college you're taking you know your lighter courses but once you have to take that organic chemistry which is a requirement to have a, bi- a biology degree it really it's it was the most challenging course I've ever taken in my life. And I did everything in my power. I I went to tutoring sessions. I had conversations with my professors. I went to their office hours. I was studying every single day, day and night. I was pulling all-nighters. I was watching YouTube videos. I bought every like course guide, anything that I could find that was going to help me with this class. I did. And I failed all of my exams. I literally failed. I failed. Um, I remember getting. I remember getting one of my exams back, and I had gotten like, like out of a hundred, I think I had gotten like a twenty-four. Like I'm, I'm telling y'all, like I, I was down bad, 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 and it was starting to get to me because I knew I had to pass this class. This class is also like a pass fail kind of course. So it's, you know, it's not necessarily you need to get an A or B or C or whatever. You just need to pass, meaning you need to have at least a 70% in order to pass the class. Um, or actually I think you need like a D plus or something like that. Anyway, I failed. Um, I was failing my exams. Um, I was doing really poorly like with the exams and Um, just understanding the material because it's just it's so dense and confusing and if you know you know but it was really difficult it was hard as hell so I'm failing this class essentially I decide to withdraw um, and then I'm like okay my plan is that I will just retake this in the summertime so mind you this is my sophomore year of college I believe maybe my junior year. I think it's my sophomore year of college though. And um, I'm pushing off taking this class and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just take it over the summer. So I decided I'm going to take this class over the summer back in my hometown though, because I was going, my undergrad was at um, a private school, St. John's, if you know, 
in New York. And so I didn't want to pay that tuition just for the summer courses. So I wanted to take it somewhere more affordable. So I went back home to New Jersey and I decided to take the class at Rutgers in New Jersey. And Rutgers is a huge, it's a state school in New Jersey, the biggest state school. Um, if you know, you know, and I felt so lost being there. First of all, it was, the campus was humongous. I didn't know anyone because I didn't go to school there. I was just taking a summer class there, even though I'm from New Jersey. Um, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know my way around the campus. I got lost all the time. I felt like a failure. I was beating myself up every day. I was also working part-time while I was doing this summer class, which is not a good idea, but I had to because I needed money. And I, same thing was happening with, with the class. I, I had built up so much fear every time I was step foot into that classroom. Cause I had conditioned my mind to think you're going to fail. You're not going to understand this. This is hard. So I wasn't even allowing myself to absorb any new information because I had told myself that I wasn't good enough to understand this and I wasn't going to learn it anyway. So me being in class was kind of a waste of time because I was having, while the professor was talking, I was literally just having this internal dialogue about, I'm not going to get this. I'm going to fail again. And guess what? I failed again. I had to withdraw from the class. Um, not once, but twice I feel I withdrew from the class and I was like, okay, I'll just take it again. Um, next year or I'll take it. Oh, I, what I actually did was I, I withdrew from the summer course um, and then I, I told myself I was just going to take it again back at my school um, in the fall. Did that, same thing happened. Taking these classes, going to the tutoring. I, I mean, at this point I was doing literally every single thing that you could think of I was doing and I was still failing. So fast forward to the following summer, I'm like, okay, let me just give this one more try. I'm gonna go back, try to do this over the summer and just really just do it, like knock it out at this time. So at this point, I'm supposed to be taking two semesters of this course of organic chemistry. So it's organic chemistry one and organic organic chemistry two. At this point, I'm taking two semesters. I'm still not even done with my first semester. And at this point, I'm, I'm a senior, actually. I'm a senior in college. So fast forward to that summer I'm taking um well the junior year between my junior and senior year I'm taking this summer course again at Rutgers thinking that okay well I have the old material I can study for it like I'll be fine you know let's give it another go I give it another go <laughs> y'all I literally I failed again I had to withdraw so it was like this cycle of me trying and trying and trying to, you know, pass this class, failing, passing, failing, like just not, not even passing, honestly, but just try attempting. And like, literally it's like trying to like, I'm missing every free throw essentially of this entire class. So at this point I'm, I, I withdraw a second time from the same summer course that I was taking over the summer. Um, I, I'm literally going to this class and crying, um, begging the professor to help me like at the tutoring sessions, like crying, just like feeling so, so low. And I'll never forget my mom actually had picked me up one time. Um, cause normally I would take the train home, but 
my mom decided to pick me up and I had a panic attack in the car with her. I literally, that was my first time having a panic attack in public and I had a panic attack. I literally hyperventilated, crying. Actually, my mom had to pull over because I wouldn't, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop panicking. Um, I literally vomited on the side of the road and she was like, what is happening? Like, what is wrong with you? Like, are you okay? And she wasn't, you know, judgmental. She was truly just concerned. She didn't understand what was going on with me. And I just told her, I was like, I am such a failure. Like, I can't believe I can't get this. Like calling myself like all these like terrible names. And my mom was so heartbroken to see me beating myself up like this. And, you know, she really took care of me. We went back home and she literally like made me go to sleep and just she took you know, really good care of me, but, um, and I'll always be grateful for her for just accepting me in that moment and being, while it's being so vulnerable, but, you know, she realized like, oh, wow, like you actually have struggles with your mental health and, you know, you're experiencing some real anxiety. Um, and she encouraged me to get help and everything. And I did, but, really the whole point of this is is this this failure and this it wasn't just a once or twice kind of failure it was like a repeated failure y'all and it was expensive because I'm having to pay for these summer courses out of pocket you know so that really made me question why I was even on this course and I'm like, you know, if it's this hard for me to pass this class, like, how am I going to go to medical school? How am I going to be a doctor? How am I going to do all these things I want to do if I can't pass this course? So I think that moment in me failing so many times with this, I think it actually was a sign that it wasn't that I wasn't capable or it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough. It's that this was not my path. This was just simply not meant for me to do and the good thing is that I actually did pass eventually because I took the class at a community college also in my home state of New Jersey Um, but that that didn't happen the way I wanted it to because I had failed this class repeatedly and I wasn't able to get the credits I actually wasn't able to graduate I didn't graduate with my class of 2015 like I thought I was going to I didn't have enough credits to walk across the stage and it broke my heart um my mom and my family and everyone was actually really surprised they didn't understand why I was graduating a year late and why I wasn't able to walk across the stage and I had to confess to them that you know I I really I failed this class multiple times So my parents and I came up with a game plan and they encouraged me and my sisters as well. um, They encouraged me to take this class at a community college because one, it was going to be way more affordable. Two, it was close to home. And then also I was able to have a little bit more resources in terms of what I needed to actually get back to the basics and pass this class for good because at this point it was too late for me to switch my major or drop myself as a biology major and I I really wanted to keep on this pre-med 
class, uh, this pre-med course, which is what I thought I was going to pursue. So eventually I did pass the class. I took the spring semester of 2016 to finish this class finally and I finished and I passed and I got I think I passed with like a C minus or something and I remember just being so happy and so relieved and my family was so happy and relieved that I was able to finally graduate college even though it took me a whole year later and if you know me and you know who I am me graduating a year late would didn't make sense to people because everyone always knew me as somebody that was like really really studious and really smart and always in the library so you know imagine like the biggest nerd you know (laughs) essentially not being able to graduate college because they failed people didn't really understand why I was struggling so much and I'm like y'all it's not me it's the course it's just really challenging it's difficult I'm trying my best but I'm not able to you know get through this hurdle But finally, I did. And I'm really, really grateful that I had, again, my community, my support system pushing me along the way. And even though I didn't go down this this pre-med route and I, you know, I decided to not pursue medical school, I am so grateful because I still ended up working in a healthcare environment. I got so much experience working with doctors and nurses and I really was exposed to some extremely educational moments in my life, and I won't take that for granted. And I'm really happy with my decision to not pursue medical school because although at the time that's really what I wanted, I'm so happy that I found my passion and, you know, I, I got my master's in public health and I've done so much work and research and community service and community health-based work, which is truly my passion. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm really grateful to be exactly where I am right now. Um, What I want to wrap up and share is what to do if you are rejected the next time. So the next time that you're rejected The first thing I want you to do is to feel your feelings. Again, feel all of that rage, that anger, that disappointment. Let it out. Don't harbor it. Don't make yourself feel like you're not allowed to express yourself because you are. Feel all of those feelings. And you need to give yourself space to feel that. Otherwise, you're going to internalize why you feel unworthy or why you feel disappointment or shame. Allowing yourself the space to feel those feelings is part of the healing process. So feel feel every single thing that is coming your way when you are dealing with loss or rejection or failure. Um, number two is write down what you learned from this experience. I know I've written down so much about all of these experiences that I shared with you. I've learned so much from it. I, you know, especially with the most recent one with me, my um me being laid off from my last role I really took a time to sit down and say okay well is that really what I wanted to do at the end of the day is is was that the right place for me to be working at and that's something that I was really allowed to I was I was giving myself the space to really think about my experience there and what worked and what didn't work and what I loved and what I hated 
So it was it was a chance for me to do kind of like a self inventory and reflection and looking at it objectively, too. You don't need to internalize or personalize what happened, especially if it's something that it's out of your control. Obviously, when it comes to being rejected from, uh, you know, people in your life, like a love interest or a friend or even a family member, those feelings are going to be a little bit diff- more difficult to compartmentalize. But I'm speaking more from these situational experiences that I shared with you. Um, writing down what you learn from the experience can be really helpful. And even if it is a personal rejection from, again, a romantic interest, a loved one, friend, that's okay. Write that down and, and, and write down what, what you felt in that moment and what maybe you could have done differently. And if there's nothing that you could have done differently, that's okay too. Don't always feel like there's always something that you could have done, coulda, shoulda, woulda. Don't beat yourself up and constantly feel like there's always something missing in what happened to you. Sometimes there is no explanation and that's okay. You got to learn how to keep it moving and move with, with that reality. And lastly, this is probably the most important thing. If you are dealing with failure, loss, and rejection, trust and allow the universe to redirect your course. I swear. I I mean, I literally swear rejection is redirection towards something better for you. Always, always, always trust and believe that you are capable of attracting those experiences, those accomplishments. The success that you want is hidden within a lot of things. A lot of it is hidden within your routine. A lot of it is hidden within your environment. A lot of it is hidden within discipline and a lot of other factors. It's not a one size fits all, but trust and allow that the universe is going to redirect your course and trust yourself to make decisions that are going to be healthy and are going to be sustainable so that you can redirect your course. Me not going through going to medical school allowed me to redirect myself to getting my master's in public health at one of the best institutions in the world and me publishing a cross-sectional study that was done for the first time. And if I hadn't done that study and that research, I would have never started Sadie Baddies and I wouldn't be here talking to you today. So it literally everything is a domino effect. In my opinion, I do think that in retrospect, I'm able to finally sit down and realize, wow, if I wasn't in that place at that time, I would have never been here. And I can say that for so many things in my life. When it comes to my relationships, my friendships, my career, but just know and trust and allow that you're going to be redirected. You're going to be okay. And I want you to be as gentle with yourself while you're in this space as you would if you were five years old. Imagine yourself as a five-year-old and what you need to hear in that moment and connect with that voice because that is going to give you that gentleness and compassion that you need in order to move forward from the situation. So as coming from someone who has taken hella L's, lots of failures, lots of losses, and I will continue taking failures and losses in and rejection because that's life. There's nothing I can do about it. There's literally nothing I can do to avoid rejection, to avoid failure, it's literally meant for you to grow. So embrace it. 
I feel like failure for me now is kind of exciting because now I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna buy, I'm about to I know my bounce back game is unmatched. I feel like an alchemist in the way that I'm able to transmute a negative situation into something better. And I know that because I've seen proof of that in my life all the time. And being able to embrace that as a superpower is what's going to separate you from being someone who is filled with self-pity versus someone who gets up and, and tries again and somebody who's going to push through and make sure that they make themselves proud, period. You can never keep a bad bitch down for too long. I always say that. You really can't. And I hope that you know that if you're part of Sadie Baddies community, you are somebody that is working on developing a healthy relationship with yourself. And I'm proud of you for that. So I really hope that this episode was helpful for you and gave you some insight into, you know, some failures and rejections and losses that I've had in my life. I mean, this is only three, (laughs) y'all. There's so much more than that. But I just want to give you these three very specific examples of loss, failure, and rejection. And I hope that this helps you um, next time you're dealing with a rejection. I also have a blog post on dealing with rejection and why rejection is good for you. So I'll definitely link that in the show notes. But I just want to say again, happy new year. I'm so happy to be back. This is ending season two. I want to say a special thank you to our guest from season two that made this so, so special. We had such amazing guests this season, Dr. Chanel Ramsubik, which we talked about generational healing, um, Dr. Akuya Botang, um, Dr. Ebony Butler, Reed Turner from, from the Healthy Hose, um, Kay Walker, and of course, Tanya Lewis-Lee and our amazing conversation about Aftershock and Black Maternal Health. Absolutely love and adore that episode with her. And our most recent guest, Nam Bachmeyer, talking about menstrual, uh, menstrual health and living in sync with your cycle. And last but not least, the wonderful and beautiful Hillary Maddox on rewilding slow living and holistic living. All of you amazing women, thank you so much for sharing space with us on The Soft Life. If you haven't gotten into any of the those episodes yet, please dig deep into them. They are so rich, so amazing, so fruitful, helpful, knowledgeable, all the things. And I guarantee you will find something that's relevant to you no matter where you are in your life. And I will see you, I will see you in season three, which will be dropping next week. And I, again, thank you so much for being here. I love you all so much and stay soft. To stay connected, join Sadie Baddies on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and more, and sign up for our monthly newsletter on sadiebaddies.com to stay in the loop. Sending you hella love and stay soft, baddie.